morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today on this Saturday morning where we like to talk about some current event, if we can, something going on in our country or in our world and how we as Christians ought to be thinking about it. This morning, obviously, the big thing in our country right now is we have an election coming up on Tuesday. A lot of people have already voted. I don't know if you have or not, but I'd like to speak for just a minute about some things that I think ought to go into our thinking. Three things I'd like to share with us when we make a decision related to voting. Now, obviously, we hope for good people. It's been said that is all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. And uh, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm believing you're a good person. I'm believing the people in the church of God are good people. I'm believing the Christians in America are good people. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I believe the hope for our country are the people of God. I'm a Christian. I believe God has always worked through his people. And there are many, many fine people in our country. But the hope for our country, the hope for peace and security and prosperity in our land, has got to be that the people of God are involved and active. And that means you, all right? And so as we think about how we should vote, and that would be a minimum that we should do as Christians, we should be voting. We should be praying. Some of you may want to run for office. Some of you may want to campaign. Some of you may want to give give donations to campaigns. Some of you may want to work on campaigns, do different things involved. But the minimum, it seems, is that we vote and we pray. Those are Those are easy things to do. Those are easy things to do. And failing to do that, come on. If we don't do the minimum, how can we expect our country to reflect what we as godly people would want our country to reflect? You know what I mean? If you and I aren't doing at least the minimum, then we have no room to complain. And indeed, we'll get what we what we ask for. You get out with something what you put into it. And neglecting our uh, responsibilities here as Americans and the citizens, as Christians— who, as I, my thesis is that we ought to be good people, unselfish people. We don't just vote for things that we think is going to affect me. We vote for the good of the country, the good of people. We vote with God's interest in minds, and we want our values to be affected by the Word of God and by our Christian values. So I hope you do that, and I hope that you also speak up and encourage others to be involved as well. Um, in this particular election, I want to just share with you three things that I think are important, and that is, number one, that we understand how Washington works. Now, a lot of people don't think much about this, but it is important, particularly in this election, because the on the national level, and by the way, we don't just vote on the national level. You vote for the local things, local offices. Those are also very, very important. But on the national level, the Congress and the Senate are so closely divided and particularly the Senate, that some of the, that whoever win, I mean, the, the control of the Senate is really up for grabs. And here's why that's important. Because whoever controls the Senate, whoever controls the Congress, they determine what gets talked about and what gets voted on. The, the Speaker of the House and the, the President of the Senate have tremendous power, tremendous power, because they decide whether or not something gets on the calendar. They decide whether, whether or not something gets heard or voted on. Likewise, the party in power has the heads of every committee. 
and they decide what gets talked about, what gets what goes up to the full Senate or the full House to be decided upon. I say this because, for instance, in my state, we have a, a very close Senate race going on, and and I follow things closely. I don't know if you do, but I do. And indeed, our our Senate candidate here uh, on the Democrat side sounds like a Republican. He's calling for tax cuts. He's calling for a strong border. He's calling calling for uh, a stronger border. He's he's calling for you know don't outsource all of our jobs to China. Uh, more and more, he sounds like I think. Why doesn't he just switch over to the Republican Party? Well, the big area he doesn't agree with is abortion. I'll talk about that in a moment. But but the point being, he's uh, he's a charismatic figure, very good communicator, a very likable fella. And I'm sure a lot of people would say, yeah, I can vote for that guy. And yet, control of the Senate could be up for grabs. And if he, in this case, if he wins, understand, if, a Demo- if the Democrats, then his proposals, they're never going to come up. Democrats aren't, their agenda has never been for tax cuts, for instance. And so the, while he's running on something contrary to his party, if his party's in power, those things will never come up. He'll get elected, but those things will never come up. So it's important you understand. Some people say they don't like the two-party system, they, they, but that's what we have. You may or may not like it, but that's the reality. And some people say, don't understand that whichever party has the power, they control what even gets talked about, discussed, and voted on. If they don't like it, it doesn't happen. We saw this very clearly how Mitch McConnell, back when the Republicans had the Senate, few years ago, was able to keep Merrick Garland from even being voted on as a Supreme Court uh, and appointed to the Supreme Court. My goodness, Merrick Garland, now head of the, the Department of Justice, almost could have been on the Supreme Court had that had McConnell allow that vote to happen. But he just didn't allow it to happen. Just no vote was taken. And indeed, the three justices that he did get is why Roe versus Wade was overturned. And I believe, I hope, you know, for me, that's something that we've been praying about for decades, that this would be overturned. And that was all because of which party was in power, was able to determine who made it onto the Supreme Court. A very, very powerful thing. Number two, what is the domestic agenda? What do they want to do here in America? And number three, what's the, the foreign agenda? And so I want to talk just a minute. What is the domestic agenda? That's what's been the key in here. We've not been talking much about foreign power, even though there's a war going on in Ukraine, and we're very involved in it, and we've got troops there. And and just three weeks ago, uh, President Biden said we're closer to Armageddon and a nuclear uh, exchange than we've been since 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And indeed, my goodness, this thing, is it spinning out of control? Have we handled diplomacy in such a way that really— they're talking about nuclear weapons being fired. My goodness. And then North Korea is threatening things and Iran is threatening things. And all in China is rising. We have major foreign policy issues, but that's not even being talked about in this election. Why? Because it's really the Congress and Senate, which is up for grabs. And they have not a great deal of effect on the foreign policy like the president does. So let's talk about this domestic agenda seems like Republicans, they have three things on their mind. Inflation's out of control. We've got to get it under control. The economy, uh, number two, border security. There have been literally several million people 
come across our border, uh, not through the normal channels, not through the normal places where you're allowed to come into their country, but just wading across rivers, coming across in, in unsecured areas. Millions of people in the last two years, unlike ever before. Republicans want to put a stop to that. And then energy production. One of the big reasons we have the inflation we have is the change in energy policy that's caused gas prices to go high, diesel prices to go high, airline transportation to go high, shipping to go high, all everything, energy, what brings it to market, and our utility bills going higher. And these are the three things that the Republicans seem to be concerned most about. What are the Democrats concerned about? Seems like they're they realize they're they can't talk much about inflation because we're at an all time we're at the high in forty year high, and their policies have led to it, and the border security they're not going to talk about that because it's not secure and everybody knows it, and energy production well they their green energy policies have led to the higher prices of gasoline and so forth. So what are they talking about? Number one, save our democracy. What do they mean? January 6th, they said, was a threat to our democracy. Donald Trump was a threat to our democracy. Anyone who denies that that the our 2020 elections were the safest, most secure in the history of our of our uh, democracy, of our, of our country, anyone who denies that is a threat to our democracy. And indeed, shall we say, there's a lot of people who have questions about what went on in 2020, and uh, many of them are being demonized. And so... That's number one on their part. If, if these people get in power, they're going to deny our elections. They're going to want to have a democracy. Gee, the, one of the top Democrats in the Congress yesterday said, uh, we're on the verge of becoming Nazi Germany. Well, that's, that's their agenda. That's what they're talking about. That's what the president's talking about. Last month or so, he's given two speeches and talked about the threat of people who, who uh, if you don't vote for them and you, don't, and you vote for the other side— our very democracy is at stake, at risk. Number two, abortion rights. This is a big, this is their ace in the hole. This is the big thing they've pushed all summer long. Every We get a lot of campaign literature at our house. It's all about abortion rights, all about, you know, basically saying you vote Republicans, they won't let women get an abortion. And they want, and they're trying to codify uh, the bills they put forward, abortion allowed all the way up through nine months of pregnancy. And third, the Green New Deal, the green energy, basically shutting down coal plants, shutting down fossil fuels, shutting down uh, uh, gasoline and going all towards green energy, wind power, solar power, uh, electric vehicles, etc. That's their agenda. And that agenda, by the way, is a lot of what's produced leading to our high prices in, in uh, gasoline. I don't think it's I don't think it's an accident that our prices are high. I think it's all designed to get us to switch to a, make it too expensive so that we have to switch to these other modes of production. My friends, I th- I'm going to be real honest. I think the bottom agenda is a threat to our country. They talk about a threat to our democracy. I really don't think, I mean, let's be honest, I really don't think that voting for Republicans is going to mean a dictatorship comes in and we will no longer have elections. We'll no longer have a country. I think that's just fear-mongering of, of the basis sense that is dangerous in our world to, to create such thing, ideas about your political opponents. But I do think inflation, border security, 
and and not being inter- energy interdependent and not being able to um, have our a strong country because we don't have our own energy and our country runs on energy. These things are a, stre- a, a threat to our country and to our security in our future. So I just want to say, I, I put that out for you to consider as you vote. Remember, all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I think in the church, I want to say, you're the good people. You're the good people. There are people in our country who all they vote for is what's selfish. All they vote for is what they can get out of it. There are people who see power as just for themselves. There are people, I see it on campus all the time, they want power. There are people who don't, who because they've rejected God, their almighty omnipotent is the government. And they want to change the world through the government. That's not our goal. I hope that's not your goal. We want to change individuals. We believe the gospel is a power to change individuals. But we also believe that that can go forth best in a safe, secure, uh, free country. And these are the things we want for. Personally, I'm for limited government. Government can't change a person's life. Government can give us an environment where we can function freely and, and rise to the top if we work hard and so forth. But government can't change a person's heart. Only the gospel can do that. And that's why we look first and foremost to Jesus, and we pray for revival in our land. But we do realize government is a big part of our life. They, every time you go to the grocery store now, you can realize the effect government has on your life. Every time you fill up a tank of gas, you can realize the effect government has on your life. And let me tell you one thing. You don't want government thinking you're a threat. You don't want government to think that you as a person are a threat to our future because that's the verge of tyranny. Father in heaven, we bless you today when we pray for our upcoming election and we pray for our government officials. Think of how you said in 1 Timothy 2 that we should pray for all men for kings, rulers, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all dignity and godliness. How we pray, Father, for a government that gives us freedom, that does not infringe upon our lives, telling us how we must live, what we must do, taking away our freedoms, and and most importantly, what we must think, and even what we are allowed to say. How we pray for freedom in our country, Lord, not just so that we can have a comfortable life, We pray for freedom that the gospel might go forth in our land and throughout the world. And how we pray, Lord, for a prosperous country. I think of how America has been so generous in giving money for foreign missions and for sending forth missionaries. How we pray for continued prosperity in our land, that we might be a base sending forth the gospel message throughout the world. Oh, Father, we pray for these upcoming elections and Lord, there's, there's, there's so many of them are very, very close. I pray the good people of our country would get out and vote. I pray. I want to ask that we'd continue in prayer. We pray for a tremendous victory this week, this Tuesday. We pray for fair, honest elections of integrity. We pray that the day after the elections, there would be no, no reason to believe that uh, that the elections were not conducted properly. And we pray, Father, for. Uh, results that could be honoring you. We pray for leaders who will fear God and serve the people. Fear God and serve the people. Deliver some people who are on it only for themselves or for power. And particularly, Lord, please deliver us from people who are rebellious against you and want to use power to create a whole different type of world. We pray these things and we bless you 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for being along with me today. I hope you're here regularly. Don't forget, by the way, change your clock tonight. All right, and if you can't tell what I'm thinking, we hope we're going to change our government on Tuesday. Amen? God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. I'm here every day. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m. live. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.